So welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. Uh, today's episode is another really special episode with an expert. Um, the intention, let me do a little bit of an introduction and then I'll get Sanaz to introduce herself. One of my key intentions in the work that I do is to really help people stay out of the court system. I think as much as possible, I want you all to be able to be empowered to make decisions for your own families um, based on your own information rather than having somebody else make that decision for you. That's not always possible. It does take a huge amount of patience, resilience and maturity to be able to navigate that. And sometimes no matter how hard you're willing to do the work, it's just not always possible for a separating couple to come out with an agreement right, on asset division or on co-parenting arrangements, etc. So often people will end up in the court system. I wanted to have this discussion specifically with Sanaz at CE Family Law to focus on what is the role of a lawyer through mediation and all of our options outside of the court system? How can you still be empowered with, you know, fantastic information, fantastic resource and people who have got your values in mind to represent you. So, Sanaz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, before we get into the specifics of this conversation and the ways in which people can work with lawyers, even outside of going to court and, you know, taking the bulldogs into the courtroom with them, um, could you tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about CE Family Law? Certainly. Well, I am one of three directors of CE Family Law. I've been practising um, purely family law for about 16 years. Um, I'm an accredited family law specialist. On a personal note, I have two little beautiful girls um, aged six and eight, and I spend most of my spare time, which is very limited, um, <laughs> with my family and my girls. That's a little bit about me. Beautiful. Um, CE Family Law is um, a firm that I'm, as I said, one of the directors of. And as the name suggests, um, we only practice in family law. So we focus on family law, property divisions, parenting matters, and anything that relates to family law. Um, our team is a very special team, in my view, because we, as a firm, understand when people come and see us they're not going th they're going through a very stressful and difficult time in their life sure yeah um, and it, it can be quite stressful so we empathize and we guide our clients through the difficult stages of their lives by giving them clear advice without the legal jargon so yeah. we try to give them the advice that they need um, to help themselves but also take away all the um, legal jargon that um, that lawyers tend to use when they're talking amongst other lawyers. Yeah, because it can become so overwhelming. Not only are we navigating our own, you know, internal challenges, we're navigating on behalf of our children, and then we need to learn this language too. No thanks. Of course, <laughs> of course, it's so difficult. And yeah. um, I do this day in day out. So for me, um, uh, I can easily refer to sections of the Act or, and I know what I'm talking about, but a lot of people, either it's their first time or even if it's their second or third time, they're not familiar with, um, with the law, they're not familiar with the process. 
So it can be very overwhelming. And um, it's not the same each time either. So you'll be using absolutely. different arguments and different approaches. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'd like to think I'm an expert on, you know, Singapore family law. I'm absolutely not. You know, I have (laughs) a sliver of experience, um, but it's it's so complicated. You're absolutely right. I don't think people need to go in to speak to a lawyer to learn about the family law. We need to go in to get some great advice, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And we also work not um, with a variety of other professionals as well. So we um, have, we know financial planners, we know accountants, we know counsellors. Um, so we, we utilise um, the expertise that we have outside of the firm to also help our clients. Um, and, and I find that's quite helpful when a client comes and sees you and they've got, you know, they don't have an accountant because the other party has always done the accounting and, and taken control of that. We know accountants that we trust and we can refer them off to see an accountant. So they they are comfortable and familiar with their finances. Yeah, it takes a village, absolutely. You, oh, you need absolutely. a whole <laughs> village absolutely. to get you through. <laughs> um, can I ask you, so can I ask you what drew you into family law? You said six yes. You can. I initially actually um, started practising and doing some commercial law. Yeah. And um, I found that quite dry and it wasn't me. I um, love interacting with people. I like helping people. I like listening to stories and being able to guide people through difficult situations. So I decided that maybe criminal law was more for me. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of client interaction and it's very personable. And um, I ended up taking a visit to um, a prison, which for a matter that was very um, confronting. So I was like, no, this is not for me. I don't think I could do this long term. And then I um, started dabbling in family law and I loved it. It was I was passionate about it. I really enjoyed working with people um, so it just progressed and progressed, and then I got my accreditation, and okay, and that was that. Stuck with it. What is your idea of like best case scenario? What's your favorite ending when you when you say goodbye to a client? <laughs> well, I always say to my clients that it, it's not so much winning. If you both are unhappy with the result, then that's a win. Absolutely, absolutely agree. And being able to just move on, what I find quite rewarding is when, like, clients seem to be at peace at the end and they can just move on. Um, And I say to my clients, you know, give me a call. Like, I'd love to see how you're going, how things are progressing um, in a year's time, six months' time. Not all of them do. Um, but some do, and it's it's lovely to see that things have um, significantly changed for them and they're in a better place. I'm just going to share with you a, a little personal story. I was recommended my family lawyer in Singapore by my new partner, right? We had met and, and he said, you should go and see my family lawyer. So I went and saw her. She was beautiful, absolutely loved her 
she was working with me for a while and then my partner had to come along to one of the meetings. She was like, oh, 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 she was so excited that two of her clients have ended up happily ever after. <laughs> That's great. What a great story. It was so good just to see the joy in her that two of her favourite or two two clients of hers have ended up happily ever after. So that's really nice. Anyway, so let's get on to the let's get on to the advice for other people. Um, from your perspective, what are the benefits in couples agreeing their own settlement for divorce, whether it's asset separation or co-parenting arrangements, um, in staying outside of the, the system? What's the benefits in them doing it themselves? I think the most important thing is that they have control of the outcome. Yeah. Um, that is the most important aspect of it because once you are within the system um, and your matter goes before a court and, and then a judgment um, a, a judgment's given, you lose that control and you leave your destiny to the judge who's hearing your matter. So I think control, having control of the outcome is really important. Yeah, and- let's put that in context. I mean, it's hard to control anything here. But you, you have the opportunity on what you find are your negotiables and non-negotiables. You certainly can't control how the other person's going to act of or course. behave, <laughs> but you get to decide where your compromises are, right? You get to, to come to an agreement together. It's a decision. It's a decision yeah. that you can make or not make, but at least you've given it a go. Um, exactly. So it's a decision that you can ultimately make and say, look, I'm happy to compromise, in, with respect to parenting matters or a financial matter on some things but not prepared to compromise on another exactly. and narrowing the issues in dispute to be able to, as I said beforehand, walking away with something you can live with. Yeah, Not that you're happy but you can live with it. Yeah. I guess the, another benefit there too is if you're making those own your decisions, informed decisions, right, um, you have greater context than a judge could ever have about your situation. Absolutely, of course. And could ever have about how your family flourishes, you know, in what ways do your children do well? They can't possibly know that outside of the information they provided in the court, like in the documents and in the courtroom. Absolutely. Yeah, I do Absolutely. think there's huge benefits in in staying outside of the court. Is there anything else we haven't thought of there? Is there? It's also cost, cost. It's more cost effective um, to try to do things outside of the court system because it's once more again, timely um, and it's quicker. It's yeah. um, uh, going through the court process. Um, you it can take a year, year and a half, sometimes two, um, to get a judgment. Where if you do it outside of the system, you can actually have a consent order or a financial agreement done quickly and yeah. get on with your life because ultimately it's moving on to the next chapter of your life. And don't we want to do that? Heal quickly and move on fast. Let's move on to the good bit. Um, our audience is global, so I don't want to focus too much on the Australian system, but I think there's a lot to learn about the different options that are available to to come to agreements before getting into the court system. Can you just outline some of those fundamentals? Certainly. So there are many ways a couple can reach an agreement amicably without going through litigation. 
So one is you can participate in mediation with a mediator and um, it's facilitated with lawyers. Um, the second is you can seek a collaborative lawyer um, to go through the pathway of reaching agreement through collaborative law. And the third way is that you can participate in family dispute resolution, which involves no lawyers but you, your partner and a family dispute practitioner who assists in reaching or narrowing the issues in dispute and reaching an agreement. Can so you help me understand main... the difference then between the FDR and the mediation? Sure. So family dispute resolution um, doesn't generally involve lawyers. You can get advice beforehand, um, but it doesn't involve lawyers physically being there. It is a family dispute resolution practitioner who may be a lawyer um, that will guide you through the process of trying to reach an agreement where mediation, um, in particular, if parties are represented by lawyers, means that you have the parties, you have a mediator who is a barrister, um, and you have your individual lawyers participating in the process to reach an agreement. It's more formal, I'd say. Okay, okay. And what about, um, you just mentioned that a mediator is a barrister. My understanding was you can, there are independent mediators that you can work with. So a couple can go and employ an independent mediator altogether. Is that well, a misunderstanding? Um, a mediation um Generally, the, the mediator is a barrister who specialises or practices in family law. I think what you're referring to is more the family dispute resolution aspect of it, which is it is a process of mediation, but it doesn't involve the lawyers. So when I um, engage a mediator, I um, ensure that the mediator is a, is a family um, has experience in family law. Um, practices in family law. Sometimes mediators um, are retired judges who've sat in the family court and you can um, you can have them involved in your case because they know um, they've sat at the bench uh, they've sat at the bench. So um, it's from my experience, a mediator is um, is a uh, is a barrister that specializes or um, specializes okay. in family law because if you have a mediator that, that doesn't, specifically practising family law, they can't, they don't know the rules and regulations or the law behind, not that they're giving you advice because that's your lawyer, the lawyer's obligation to do that, but they facilitate it and they can engage in the process. Got it. And collaborative family practice, collaborative I, collaborative divorce, I kind of I love this idea but I also feel that there's limitations around it. Let me share my understanding of it and you can correct me what might be wrong. <laughs> so collaborative divorce is where you each have a lawyer who is committed to not representing you in court if you can't come to a resolution through this collaborative practice. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about that is that all parties are absolutely committed to keeping you out of the court system. So everybody's intention is to find a solution for the family that works for everybody. What I don't love about that is sometimes there may not be an answer and it needs to be ruled by somebody else and you can no longer take this person who's been on a journey with you into the courtroom. You have to find somebody else. So I don't love that. 
but I do love everybody being committed to trying to keep people out of the court system. Let's let's come back to this mediation option. Um, I would love to get some advice from you on how people can prepare with their lawyers to prepare to go into mediation and what advice you might have in that space around I've I've written up two scenarios. So let me let me read out a scenario for you and we can kind of play oh. out because I feel like these are super I wrote them so I thought they're really relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so scenario one, the couple have agreed to split but they don't know the most fair way to split their assets. They're both really intent on an amicable split. Um, they're intent on co-parenting, but they're afraid to agree to a division of assets without professional support in case they make a huge mistake. I mean, I hear this a lot. People are just afraid that they're going to flop up, right? They're worried. So they've agreed to share the cost of a mediator to come to an agreement and they're agreeable to a collaborative divorce. In this scenario, what information would they need before coming into the mediation? So what I would be um, advising is to firstly, if you're unsure about the assets and liabilities that are available for division, so I'll talk about financial matters first and then I'll talk about yeah. parenting, um, is to seek financial disclosure from the other party. So if you're unsure about what their, for example, superannuation entitlements are, then you can ask for financial disclosure of superannuation statements. So it's important to be aware of what each party has um, because that will then lead to my the next step. Um, the, it's also important to obtain valuations if you're unsure about a value of an asset. Um, so, for example, you can engage agents to give you appraisals and then you can take the average of the appraisal for a property yeah. or you can engage an actual valuer to value a property or um, to value a business. So parties can agree on a value, but sometimes I find that um, it's difficult to just guess what a business in, is worth when okay. you haven't actively been involved in that business. So um, they may want to um, obtain a valuation in relation to that. So they're more aware of what the um, assets and or liabilities are. Um, then it's preparing a balance sheet. This is really important um, for the purposes of the mediation. Okay. Preparing a balance sheet of what are the assets, what are the liabilities, whose name they're in, and um, what are the values of those assets and liabilities. Um, it's easy to put bank accounts because you can look at the statement and put the figure in. Uh, as I said, valuations, you get valuations and you put the figure in. The, uh, the balance sheet is um, very important when it comes to progressing matters through the mediation. Parties should also um, do a list of what, if any, assets or liabilities they had at the commencement of the relationship. The reason why this is important is because this can help um, the parties um, to seek a greater percentage of the net 
asset pool. So they can have an argument to say, well, I came into the relationship with an unencumbered house. So that should be considered as a contribution and therefore I should get more of what there is available now. The same applies to if during the course of your relationship you've received an inheritance yeah. or gift, um, yeah. doing a list of what that inheritance, um, how much was it, when was it was received and what it was applied towards. Um, source documents are important um, because you might be able to do the list but the other person may, your, your partner may ask for documents to verify what you're saying is actually accurate. So, um, and it can be very difficult at times, especially when the relationship is a long relationship um, and you can't ascertain these documents. But I always say to my clients, just do your best. See if you can um, go through your records or go to the bank, um, speak to the person that did the conveyancing to see if you can get information from them. So you've got something to verify what, um, uh, what those contributions were. Because once again, if you've received an inheritance during your relationship, um, that you can um, seek that an adjustment be made in your favour because of that contribution. I'm just thinking about, as, as you're talking through this, there's a huge amount of trust required here, right? You're... You're each independently going to get, gather the information and presumably, you know, in this scenario, you both want an amicable split. So you're talking as openly as you can. But one of the examples you gave was valuing a business. Really, really challenging. Now, let's say it's her business that he's not really, you know, involved in. He's going to either have to trust her valuation or trust the person that creates the valuation based on the information she provides there is, you know, do you have any advice there on managing, maybe this is where they come to me, <laughs> but managing their fear and apprehension and being able to trust somebody to bring the right information to the party? Yes, parties, um, there is a lot of tr um, trust. You have to have trust in the other person to provide the documents that, that are required to be able to obtain the valuation. But parties can... Um, jointly appoint. It doesn't necessarily have to be the wife gets someone separately. to value. Um, uh, and it, it's always my my um, advice and recommendations are to um, get a joint valuation. Beautiful. So you're both appointing um, a, a an agent or you're both appointing a valuer that can give you the information without That's taking anyone's side. Um, yeah. And also it, it's it's if you don't have an accountant who can assist you, as I said, we, we can refer you to go and see an accountant who will also be able to guide you through um, the process and guide you through the valuation once it's received and take you through that to ensure that you understand how they've come up with this figure. Yeah, yeah. I love that. The idea of you both in both investing in the person who's coming up with the valuation because then you've both got the same information going in, and right? You and both you've got a good understanding. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that really helps with the trust. I mean, when it comes to the 
fear. There's a lot of self-management in there. There's a lot of, you know, let's manage our own biases. Let's manage our own triggers and our own stories from mostly from history about, oh, my God, I'm going to be taken advantage of or I'm going to end up poorly. So really going into this, I thoroughly recommend people manage their emotions and and do some work on that. So let's talk about um, getting into the room. So how long do you think it takes to gather all of that information before we can have the mediation? We're talking to people. It's, you know, early 2024. We have some mediations in about to happen. Um, how long should they plan to gather this information before booking their mediation? If they are um, amicable, as in this scenario they are, then once they've exchanged financial documents, Um, They've got their balance sheet, they've got their list of contributions um, and they've got valuations, Um, then a mediation can take place soon thereafter. Usually the whole process, I would say, would take about six to eight weeks and that's subject to the availability of third parties. When is the valuer available to come and do a valuation of the business? Um, how long will they need to obtain information from the accountant to be able to do that? So a lot of it's subject to third parties um, and their time time frame. But generally speaking, if you're amicable and you exchange, you do your balance sheet, um, six to eight weeks and you can book um, book a mediation. Beautiful. And what should they be expecting on the day? Let's assume they both have legal representation They've um, chosen to work with somebody who's aligned with their values. That is, we're not taking any bulldog lawyers into the room. We're taking lawyers in who are looking for equal dissatisfaction at the end of the day. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what can the separating couple expect to happen during mediation? So mediations that I organise, I usually have them at a mediation centre. I think it's important um, not to have it at a lawyer's office, one lawyer's office, because the other person might feel intimidated, overwhelmed. Um, So I usually organise it at a venue that that is both parties can can attend. That feels Um, neutral. It feels neutral and and they're both on equal playing grounds. So um, that's the first thing that's important. Important. Then it's um, the the day it um, involves initially um, coming to the mediation centre, and each party is in a separate room. So there's a boardroom where the actual mediation takes place, and the lawyers and the mediator have discussions. And then there are breakout rooms. Um, one party and their lawyer sits in one room, and the other party and their lawyer sits in the other room. So you initially meet with your own lawyer to have a chat about the process and um, what offers you're going to make and um, and have further discussions. Then the mediator um, comes and speaks to both parties. And the mediator just exactly. speaks to them independently. This is all okay. done separately. This is all okay, done great. separately. And the mediator's role is not to give advice, but they talk about um, what is discussed at the mediation being confidential. 
Um, it can't be repeated. If the matter doesn't settle, you can't go to court and say, well, at the mediation, so-and-so said that I could have 55%. Right. So um, it's confidential so people can be candid, open, and give it their best shot. So the mediator has a discussion with each party and then gives them the opportunity um, to participate in a joint session at the start if they want to. Okay. So, so if everything's super amicable, they can walk into the room together and say, correct. Here's, correct. here's what I think we could agree to. Okay. Um, so they, you, can, you can have that joint session together with your lawyers and the mediator. And the purpose of the joint session is really to go through the asset pool, that balance sheet that you have prepared over the weeks. Um, there may be discrepancies. We talk about the discrepancies. We look at the husband's balance sheet. We look at the wife's, de facto's um, wife's um, balance sheet. And we try to come up with a balance sheet that we can use for the day. Got it. Okay? okay. You have to make compromises. If there's discrepancies, if there's an um, issue in relation to a figure, you have to make compromises. So... Um, the joint session is to really go through um, the balance sheet and come up with one balance sheet that we can use. If you're amicable, we can all do it together. If you're not, there might be family violence issues. Um, you don't have to. There's no pressure. And if um, if you don't want to, you sit in your separate rooms and the mediator and your lawyers go and, and do that and flesh that out and then come back to you and talk to you about it. So once that initial session takes place, after that, the lawyers go back into their separate rooms and the mediator comes and speaks to both of them and then you negotiate. You make offers, you compromise, you discuss for um, parenting arrangements if they need to be discussed. Um, and the majority of the day is based on negotiating and trying to come to a resolution. Um, I keep stressing this balance sheet um, and that's because you don't want to be in a situation where you get to the mediation and the whole day is taken um, by trying to come up with... Disagreeing uh, about the amounts of uh, the valuation exactly, of the, the properties or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I've had situations yeah. where I've um, been in a mediation and it, most of the day has been um, about whether this a, a certain asset has a certain value, should it come in, should it not, because yeah. um, the parties don't, they can't compromise or they can't agree. So the balance sheet is really important. The financial disclosure is really important because then you come in and you're prepared. Yeah. We've got our yeah. balance sheet. Let's get offers up and running and let's see if we can settle this. How long can we expect this to take? The actual mediation? Yeah. Um, probably the whole day. Um, okay. I don't like going past 5 o'clock. Um, because I find that after five, the people's concentration is limited. Yeah, you're not um, making good decisions anymore. And they're not making good decisions. So usually by about 4.30 or so, I, I try to wrap it up. 
yeah. um, because you, the last thing you want is for your client to make a decision at 8 o'clock at night on an empty stomach yeah. um, because they just want to go home. So that leads me to a good question then. Is there any chance to revisit if you sleep on it and decide, I'm not okay with this, I'm, I, it's not equal, uncom- equal unhappiness, I'm just deeply unhappy? Is there, yes. go on. There is because when you, if you reach an agreement at mediation, for example, um, you'll sign the agreement and the agreement could be dot points of what you've agreed to or it could be a bit more comprehensive. But that agreement is not a consent order and it's not a financial agreement. So, therefore, it's not binding or enforceable. Um, and It's an intention as opposed to... It's an to- intention. You, you know, you've gone, this is what you're agreeing to um, and that agreement will need to be formalised by your lawyers and once it's been signed in relation to a financial agreement, it can be signed and the lawyers sign it. But, and in relation to a consent order, it needs to be approved by um, by the court. So a registrar needs to make sure that it's just and equitable, the orders that you're seeking. Um, so until that's done, yes, you can change your mind and you can have buyer's remorse and not go through with it. But And, and hence why you've got to utilise your time during the mediation and not go beyond a certain time because if you come into an agreement, you really want to come to an agreement you that's want right. to we want to be done yeah you want to be you want it. that's right and there are breaks right somebody who's who's about to prepare for their mediation is thinking oh my god this is a really long day it's going to be stressful tell me they get a lunch break and some breaks. they they um <laughs> they get a lunch break i also um say to my clients look if you um if you want to go and get a coffee then go yeah. on, just you can have as many breaks as you want, but keeping in mind that we are there for a period of time and we are there to negotiate, and I can't negotiate without your instructions. So, right. um, if you want to go and get a coffee, go for it. If you need to go for a walk around the block, go for it. Um, Stay hydrated. No- Eat some good whole food, get some sunshine, get back in the room. Get back in. And and we always, there's always a lunch break. So you can have 45 minutes to an hour where you're not with me um, yeah. and you, you go out on your own and you go and have something to eat and you think about what's happened during the morning and then we reconvene. Beautiful. Um, okay, so I, I think I've asked all of the questions I wanted to around that scenario. Um I'm sure if anyone's listening to this and you have further questions around what to expect for your specific mediation, reach out to Sanaz. I'm sure you have like a 15-minute discovery call or something, Sanaz, for potential clients. Happy to have a chat. Happy to have a chat. So get answers to these questions. Feel prepared. We want you to go into the room. What I my suggestion would be to always focus on your desired outcome. So your desired outcome is to walk out of the room. I want you to think about um, how do you want to feel when you come away? And um, that might be, I feel relieved. I feel grateful to have have saved myself three years of work here and gotten it done in a day. I feel grateful for my legal representation and the great advice. And I'm, you know, happy to be moving on and have this out of the way. If you can focus on that when it gets difficult during the day, you're able to then come back to the, you know, 
I'm going to, I'm really intent on walking away feeling calm and, you know, peaceful about this and ready to move on. Without that reminder, it's easy to get caught up in the the fear and the worry and the concern, and you can get kind of wrapped up in that and it becomes very, very hard to to get to the outcome that you're after. Well, which is, with financial, you know, self, um, financial matters, it's really easy to get um, focus on figures and focus on, you know, there's a few dollars missing here. What about yeah. this? So um, you're absolutely right. Look at the outcome. What do you want to achieve? Yeah, and you can let some of that smaller stuff slide in order for the greater good. The greater good will be a peaceful co-parenting relationship moving forward. It will be, you know, the ability for your family to thrive in its new version. All of that. I want you to to focus on the desired outcome. Okay, let's let's look at scenario two. Um, A negotiation between parties has reached a stalemate, right? They're both keen to settle quickly. Um, but they can't agree on an equitable division of assets, division of assets. Things are becoming less and less friendly and they're not convinced they can come to an agreement. They would be prepared to fight it out in court if, if necessary. In what ways do you think this scenario is different to that first one and the and the likely outcome for that couple? Well, the process is the same. So your rec- the recommendation would be, you need to go to mediation and try to settle this. The timing will be different. Okay. Because if you've got um, individuals that are not amicable, then the process of discovery may be more difficult, getting information. The process of obtaining a value-add that they both want may be more difficult. Um, Choosing... um, doing your balance sheet with um, having bits missing because you don't have the information may be difficult. So the process is the same and and there's the family court, the family court has certain pre-action rules where um, you have to go to mediation um, prior to issuing proceedings unless there are exceptions. Um, So... You'd have to go through that process. It's just it may take longer to get there and you may get to the mediation with some things missing which need to be clarified at the mediation. Which might not be, you know, clarified at the mediation and then you've wasted that entire process, right? Correct. If it hasn't been amicable and you worry that somebody's holding information back or you yourself are holding information back, then you're going to waste this opportunity to all of those benefits we spoke about earlier, having control over the decisions, uh, saving time. You mentioned a year or two in court. I mean, I've I've, I've experienced people having five, ten years in courts for different, you know, coming back and coming back and different arguments. So that opportunity to resolve in mediation can be so critical i really want people to remember that every opportunity that you have to stay amicable with your ex to build that trust to act with integrity to be able to leverage that opportunity in that one day will save you so much sanity time finances (laughs) and you get on with your life because ultimately that's what everyone wants. You want to close that chapter and go on to the next chapter. Um, yeah. 
and that that's what it allows you to do you just close one chapter and go to the 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 next chapter yeah and it can be terrifying that idea of i don't know what's coming next i i deal with a lot of clients in that space of well you know i'm i expected to be married and and that's all i had ever imagined for myself so it can be really scary to not know what that next chapter is but I promise you there's opportunity for beautiful life in that next chapter. So let's start discovering it. Like, let's get to that bit faster. Holding on to a relationship that's not working or holding on to an argument is not going to help you, right? Um, so now, so for anyone listening to this episode that is yet to come to an agreement with their ex, they can have a conversation with you can't they about what their next steps might be of course yeah. um, we've got blogs on our website we've got um information on our website that they can go and um, have a look at they can give me directly a call or any yeah. one of our lawyers and we're happy to have um a discussion with them and there's so much great content too on your instagram page you'd like there's videos laying out what to expect what to, how do you find a good family lawyer all kinds of great content on your instagram page too so follow ce family law there i wonder if you've got a download for this balance sheet i wonder if that's something i need to talk to your team about and getting a free we download do. we can have a chat later we do <laughs> <laughs> beautiful now is there anything else you would want people to know about um, mediation, the role of a lawyer in the mediation space and how you can help people avoid getting to court? Well, I've, I've covered the majority of it, um, but I, I wanted to stress that if parties cannot mediate um, and they're unable to breach an agreement at the mediation, then there's still time. You can exchange offers via correspondence. You don't have to immediately rush to the litigation pathway. Um, I've had matters where I've gone to mediation, we've narrowed is issues of, in dispute, um, but the parties just haven't been able to settle. So you then go back and you put a formal offer to your partner through your lawyer and then yeah. that opens up the door for further negotiations hopefully they'll come back with a counter offer and you can then continue to negotiate and see if you can finalize things before that litigation process yeah. and if that doesn't help and you can't resolve matters at that point and you have no other options but to litigate um there's still avenues within the court system that you can utilise to mediate. So that doesn't so we can mean... off-ramp along the way. There's... Correct, correct. Yeah, and it doesn't... You, you should proceedings doesn't mean you're going to go... You'll have, as I said, a year, a year and a half, two years to be able to um, reach an agreement with your partner, but your costs obviously escalate because you're in that court system. So you're That's far right. better off doing it beforehand than getting to that point. Yeah, getting your life back, <laughs> not spending, not wasting that asset pool on, you know, going through Absolutely. lengthy I litigation. Say, I say to my clients, look, if, if, if you're going to go through the litigation process, it's going to cost you this much. And commercially, you're arguing about what you're going to 
spent usually less yeah um, usually less or you know so mm. it it you have to think about things in a commercial um, sense as well. Is this, yes, I might be walking away with less than what I think I should get, but I'm actually going to give that to my lawyers and go through the stress. And court is stressful. It, yeah, it, it's it not, is. I mean, people think that the mediation process, what happens, I'm unsure, I'm overwhelmed. Um, that's nothing in comparison to going through the court process. Um, and, and, in a, that in itself is stressful. Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to go through that process? Agreed. Tanas, thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us that whole, just like taking the lid off what does it look like and how do we use um, lawyers within that process and making sure, you know, helping people, yeah, giving your advice. I really appreciate that. And just giving some insight helping people understand what they can do to prepare in order to have the best possible outcome. I so appreciate you being here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And for everybody listening, I have got all of the show notes, um, the link to the CE Family Law Instagram page, any links to downloads that might we might follow up on after this. Um, but please feel free to reach out to Sanaz or myself if you've got any further questions or comments about our discussion. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.